following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sunny in Phoenix podcast, a weekly podcast where we keep you up to date on everything Phoenix Suns basketball. My name's Charlie Erling. I have Dab and Mitch Krumpetich. What's up? And David McGraw. Shubba dooba doop doop doop. That's right, and this week we're going to be talking about a few guys who got into the Hall of Fame this past week from the Phoenix Suns. Then we'll talk about some sad news, a, a little injury update on Devin Booker. And then after that, we'll talk about the shooting guard position as a whole and where we expect to see those minutes go this season. Follow us on Twitter at SunnyInPHXPod. Same thing for Instagram. Go on iTunes. Leave us a five-star review and a comment, and you will get a shout-out on the show. All right, let's start off and talk about four players who played some ball for the Phoenix Suns who got inducted to the Hall of Fame in this year's class. So we got Steve Nash, Jason Kidd, Grant Hill, and Charlie Scott all making it in, and that marks the first time that an NBA team has ever had four players inducted in the same Hall of Fame class. So, pretty big week for the Suns. I think this is really cool. Uh, The Basketball Hall of Fame is, I guess, a little bit controversial because some people think it should just be limited to the NBA. I'm not one of those people. I like that it includes college, WNBA, everything international, includes Olympics. I think that's really fun. But Steve Nash... Obviously, fan favorite, my favorite basketball player of all time. Getting into the Hall of Fame, very deserved. Uh, Nash spent 10 seasons with the Suns, and in that time, he averaged 14.4 points per game, 3.1 rebounds per game, 9.4 assists. You heard me right, 9.4 assists per game, 0.7 steals, and he shot 53.5% from the floor. 43.5% from three, and 90.7% from the free throw line. He was an eight-time All-Star, seven-time All-NBA, and a two-time MVP. He deserved both of those MVPs, no matter what anyone says. So, huge congratulations to Steve Nash. His speech was great. I mean, it summed up who he is as a person, because he spent the entire 30 minutes just thanking people. He didn't say anything else. He didn't really tell stories. He kind of he kind of wove some stories into his thanks, but overall he just thanked everyone. And um, I really liked the message he had to his family and his kids. It was very powerful. So I highly recommend going and listening to Nash's Hall of Fame speech. Yeah, I, I mean, are there some people that maybe aren't Hall of Fame worthy that are in the Hall of Fame? Sure, but like... They were still good basketball players, and I think every one of the guys that made it in this year was was deserving. And, you know, you mentioned Steve Nash right off the bat, and, you know, for me and Mitch both, like, that's the dude that got us into the Suns. I may have been a basketball fan before that, but I really fell in love with the game 
uh, even more so in the Suns because of Steve Nash. So, uh, you know, totally deserving. I don't think anyone questioned him being a first ballot Hall of Famer. And, you know, his, his speech was great. It it is it just showed his character. It talked, he talked about some of his hard work, the fact that, you know, originally no one would have thought he was there. And probably, uh, not even probably, but like in the first half of his career, no one would have expected him to be there. And then his career resurgence in Phoenix just turned everything around and turned him into one of the top five greatest point guards ever. Yeah, we like to talk about 50, 40, 90 seasons. Steve Nash averaged that as a son, which is just plain incredible. And nearly pretty close for his whole career, just not there for the field goal percentage. 49 point something for his field goal percentage over his career. Right, it's close, and that just shows. And it's the the one cool story about his speech that he gave was how Don Nelson made him shoot the ball. Like, he needed to shoot the ball at least 10 times per game. He was forced to, pretty much. And uh, him doing that before coming to Phoenix was huge because, yeah, it was 14 points a game here in Phoenix. But still, we saw some huge games out of him scoring-wise. And pretty clutch, too, when you needed a a three-pointer. I always felt safe with Steve taking that. Yeah, I mean, Steve, you... He would make the right call no matter what, whether it was taking it or finding the guy open and being able to create something when when the Suns needed it. I mean, he's he's the point guard that you think of that you want, even in today's NBA. A guy that's going to find his guys, but is also going to be able to shoot lights out. All right, next, Jason Kidd. We got to see Jason Kidd for a few seasons here in Phoenix, and... We know most recently he's been a head coach. He's been in the league for a long time. And I've I've always liked Jason Kidd. Maybe not that stunt he pulled as a coach with the, the spilled drink. That was a little weak. But <laughs> overall, I, I like Jason Kidd. Uh, this is one of those guys. Jason Kidd, great player. Terrible human being. But I, I, <laughs> I think that with the Suns, I never think of him as a son. I always think of him in his later Mavericks years and playing alongside Dirk. That's that's just how I am. But looking back on his son's career, I mean, 14.4 points, um, about six and a half rebounds, 9.7 assists, 2.1 steals over five seasons. I mean, he his stats looked great no matter where he was. The dude was a great player, not the best shooter. Again, that turned around a little bit more once he was in Dallas and things kind of opened up a bit more for him but you know great basketball player questionable human being but totally deserving of being a first ballot hall of hall of famer yeah i'm with you on this actually i don't usually think of jason kidd as a son i think of his nets years when i first think of jason kidd and yeah i mean his numbers are good for the suns um i think He's one of the guys, though, when I think of him on the Suns, he's one of the first people that come up when I see those 90s sunburst uniforms. It's like yeah. Kidd, Barkley, Kevin Johnson, Steve Nash. But I don't know why, but I, I, I just always think of Jason Kidd when I see those uniforms. So 
um, yeah, I mean, it makes sense that he's in this. He didn't have quite the impact on me, but he was still a great player. And Jason Kidd, one of those guys that had the bleached hair. That's right. <laughs> I was just about to bring that up. Hair. I mean, it's great. And I always made fun of George Hill for that a couple years ago. And I used to call him Cisco, but I I wasn't taking that Cisco took the look from Jay Kidd. I assume. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's coming back there's too. Another layer to the story. With uh Odell Beckham Jr. in the NFL. He's it's a little bit different, but it's coming back, I think. Unfortunately. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. Very true. All right, next guy on the list, we got Grant Hill. And he was a guy who played his mid to late thirties in Phoenix here. And just kind of a testament to the training staff we have here. We we set him right. He played he played pretty much every game of his career, like of the six seasons or five seasons he was here. He didn't miss a ton, and that's pretty incredible. And Hill was a guy who was supposed to be one of the best to ever play the game, but riddled with injuries. And uh, it was nice to have him come to Phoenix and go on some runs with Steve. And uh, just a class act too. Love Grant Hill. Yeah, Grant Hill unlike Jason Kidd, is a great basketball player and a great person. He is hilarious. He's an entertainer. I can only imagine what it was like playing with him and having him in that locker room. From what we see of him as a TV personality, you know that was magnified in the locker room and on the court and everything. So I've always loved Grant Hill when he came to the to the Suns. It was really exciting, and I'm happy that our team was able to rejuvenate his career. Um, very happy for Grant Hill. He seems like such a great guy. Yeah. Uh, listeners of the pod would know I I really like Grant Hill. Out of all the Suns jerseys I have, one of them that I do have is a white Grant Hill jersey. Uh, dude's great. Great person. I think there could be an argument made due to injuries and stuff that maybe... You know, he shouldn't have necessarily been a first ballot, but I, I'd give it to him each time. What he was in Detroit and, you know, what he was able to do with the Suns to revitalize his, careers, his career and be a really good piece was great. And, you know, he thanked a lot. He had, I think Grant Hill had the longest speech for, this, for the Hall of Fame. I think that was one of the, like, things that people were talking about. He had the longest one. He thanked a lot of people. He definitely thanked, you know, doctors and training staff and stuff with Phoenix for, you know, basically being able to give him a little bit of a, a, a third wind or a second wind or whatever you want to call it for <laughs> his career. But uh, averaged about 15, 5, and 3 with the Suns. So pretty respectable numbers. And I always think of Grant Hill as we, ha- we gave up, we traded Marion, we got Shaq. That didn't really work out, but at least we were able to like have Grant Hill come in and play small forward for us, play some small ball for, and just be a good player. And it's not like we just completely lost out at both at the three position with Marion gone. I just can't get over at age 38. He played and started in 80 games and played 30 minutes per game. Yeah. That's amazing. That's incredible. 
All right, moving on to the final one who made it in, uh, Charlie Scott. And Charlie Scott got his start at Rucker Park. He was one of those guys who was playing there back when it was just crazy, when it was taken off, and that's really cool. Also was the first African-American to receive a basketball a basketball scholarship, and he played at UNC. The guy won a gold medal, and he was drafted in 1970 by the Celtics, but he had already signed a contract with the Virginia Squires of the ABA. So he played in the ABA for a season or two before coming over to the Suns. The Suns traded for him, and he put up huge numbers for the Suns. He averaged 25, 4 rebounds, and 5 assists per game over those few years and that's those are those are crazy numbers that's what Devin Booker averaged last year so those are just huge time numbers rookie of the year five-time all-star all league three times and uh, this guy waited quite a while to get in there so we, we saw these first-time ballot guys get in but Charlie Scott had been waiting a long time so really cool to see him make it in it is and it's it's a piece of history, too, with everything you just explained. So I think that's it's great that he got in, probably should have been in earlier, but he's in now, and that's what counts. Yeah, he, he has the highest scoring average in Suns history, if I remember the blurbs correctly. So, like, what Devin Booker was able to do in a season, hopefully we'll be able to do in plenty of seasons to come, he was able to do throughout his entire career for the Suns. Just a great scorer. Definitely should have been in way sooner, but, you know, that's what happens sometimes with some of these, you know, older guys. It just takes a bit, but at least he finally got in there. Absolutely. And now, obviously, making the Hall of Fame is a topic of celebration, but I hate to even say this. We just found out Devin Booker is going in for hand surgery. Uh, this episode comes out Monday, so this is going to be happening today. And it was late March when Booker hurt his hand in practice. Uh, he didn't miss the game later, the, the next game. I believe we played the Jazz. He had a terrible shooting game. But we know that this hand injury has lingered for quite a while. And all of a sudden now, he's going in for surgery. So why... Why wait so long to get this surgery? I imagine it was something that he was just trying to test out during the off season, and through all his work, he probably realized it still felt a little bit off. I mean, we know the Suns training staff is renowned across the league. I'm sure he was getting good advice, and I have nothing backing this, but I imagine... The training staff probably gave him a date to say, you know, if you do feel like you need to have surgery, you should probably decide by a certain time so that, you know, the average recovery time is this long. You know, that's what I imagine. Right. So the initial words we have seen, there's not much out about it yet, but it sounds like he will be missing the beginning of training camp at a minimum. And training camp's a little over a couple weeks away, so that's coming up pretty quick. And we don't even know what exactly the surgery is for his hand. We don't know if it's like a, for tendons or if it has something to do with a fractured bone. We, we really have no idea. 
Yeah, well, and some of these hand surgeries can be pretty quick recoveries, not really that big of a deal. I don't know. It's hard because there's not very much information. But the report from Gambo says he's out indefinitely, and indefinitely is kind of a scary term, but that just means they don't know. So he could be out for one day, or he could be out even, you know, through training camp and all of that. My guess, though, if I had to guess, he'll probably be ready by the beginning of the season, I would think, unless something goes wrong. This this is really weird. I feel like this should have been taken care of a while ago instead of, you know, doing Team USA training camp and doing these runs in, like, California and stuff that you see, you see, you hear about, really, you don't necessarily see at the gym. There are some videos and stuff, but, you know, you would think that this would have been taking care of that instead of doing some of that other kind of stuff, but, you know, obviously, he must have thought that it wasn't that big of a deal, and then as he continued to train and work out and stuff, he decided that it was still just bothering him, but it's kind of funky. I feel like this should have gotten taken care of a few months ago at this point well, but a lot of times what happens is they'll have specific exercises to do for your hand or whatever part of your body you injured and they do like physical therapy and that kind of stuff to see if you can rehab it without doing surgery and then after doing that if it's still feeling funky they can do surgery i i don't know that that's what happened but that's what i imagine i'm sure he was working on it to try to see if he could go without surgery well yeah i mean like you assume that that's what was going on because that's what happens you but like i'm like yeah you try rehab and all that other that other stuff but you would assume that yeah if he was doing the rehab and stuff he wouldn't necessarily be going and doing these runs and stuff well, do like I I get it. It's not that big of a deal. Is I I just feel like it's a little funky, but whatever. It's not that big of a deal. It is weird. It's weird. Yeah. So an interesting thing to think of is if we were waiting for this to happen, this happened in March. So it's been months and months ago when it happened. Wouldn't we have wanted Devin Booker to be ready at the start of training camp rather than? be pretty much guaranteed to miss it with all the new moving parts of our team and a new coach it seems like our star player getting in there during training camp and working with the guys is a pretty significant thing but also we did just talk about our renowned training staff for Grant Hill and Steve Nash and talked about how great they were so I like to put my confidence in them and say they know what they're doing that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, I, there is confidence there, and, but you think if he this happened in March, and then he ended up sitting out the rest of the season, just about like he played a few more games after that, but he didn't play very many. That he would have gotten the surgery then, and then he could have been ready for Team USA like training camp and stuff, and still been able to do that, and st- like, and then at least like. There would have been less people saying that, like he, they were, we were tanking, and that's why we set Booker. That wasn't because he was hurt, and obviously he was hurt. But like, at that point, maybe he should, maybe like it should have just been done then. I don't know. I, I get it. Like, I'm not the one that gets paid to make these decisions or decide these things. 
but like you know it gets hurt in march you probably should have like had it made that decision then instead of trying to push it off until now when we have a new coach and are going to be implementing a new system and now he's out and can't really participate fully for however many weeks well and and it's because of that that i kind of have a scary thought and i really hope this isn't the case but i can imagine it's possible that maybe it was feeling better and then he did something else recently to re-aggravate it i really hope not but it sounds like that could be a possibility how many pages do you have to sign when you're signing a 156 million dollar that's yeah that's a good point maybe what if that would have been a contract extension (laughs) All 17 pages with 37 lines to sign on. That's all. That's what did it. Yeah. Not the shooting, yeah. but just carpal tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everyone. This week's episode is brought to you by Blue Chew. Head over to bluechew.com to get the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. It's got the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know it works. But since they're chewable, they'll work even faster than a pill. You can take them anytime, day or night, and even on a full stomach. It's cheaper than the other two, so this is a no-brainer. You also don't need to go to a doctor's office or spend time waiting in the pharmacy line because Blue Chew ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. So here's the deal specifically for our listeners. If you visit bluechew.com, you get your first shipment free when you use promo code PHX. All you have to do is pay $5 in shipping. So go to blue, B-L-U-E, chew.com and use the promo code PHX. Okay, so we just talked about Devin Booker's hand injury. We don't know the extent yet or when he will be back. And we wanted to talk about the breakdown of the shooting guard position. So let's start off with worst case scenario. If Devin Booker isn't ready for preseason or even the start of the regular season, who starts? And I think we got to say who starts at both guard spots. Yeah, this is actually really tough because we don't we don't really know what the team's going to look like. There's all of these rumors that like the Suns are interested in Spencer Dinwiddie and Patrick Beverly and uh, Corey Joseph was the other one. Um, please. Not Corey Joseph. Sorry. Anyway, like, (laughs) as of right now, though, assuming we're just rolling with the team we have, this is difficult. And I guess starting at shooting guard, I think maybe we see Josh Jackson get some minutes there. And then we could start Ariza and Anderson, maybe, at the three and four. But then I don't know who we would put at the point. Shaq. Unfortunately, yeah, I guess. Like, it's just going to be Shaq. You or, know, you're backing or, down on that a little bit. You're Mr. Well, Okobo or, two weeks oh, hey, ago. Hey, hey, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Or Okobo, essentially whoever, whichever point guard performs the best of Harrison, Okobo, Melton, and Isaiah Cannon. You know, we get him on text messages, and he's all, all more brash and saying how it's for sure 100% I'm, Okobo. And I'm then all of a sudden to... <laughs> we get a we get a microphone in front of him and he's backing off. I'm I'm trying to wait until we know who's actually on the team because I want to legit make this bet that we've been <laughs> talking about, but I want to know who's on that team first. We might right. make it still a 
there's still a big question mark with Melton because apparently some sort of deadline pass that we had to send him an offer by as a second round pick and we haven't heard a word since that happened so I mean you have to think you give Melton the two way contract at an absolute minimum but who knows what's going to happen there yeah that's confusing and I want to say we have his rights or something until training camp but I think the fact that we haven't like given him an offer yet as far as I know I guess means that we're not set on him just staying on the team and we're trying to use him as a trade piece well we'd for sure have we for sure have his like rights we have his draft rights um and I think we looked in, into it last time or last week or whatever that he hasn't been signed so obviously they're like it's some sort of hoot nanny going on who knows like <laughs> whatever I mean we're gonna end up starting Shaq at point guard if Devin Booker's or a healthy uh, we're gonna end up starting Shaq at point guard that's just what's gonna happen <laughs> just wait oh yeah okay um that's what's gonna happen and we're all gonna feel really sad about it but that's it and then we'll eventually trade for a point guard but it'll already be too late I have a thought. I miss Alfred. If Payton. we're starting, oh boy, <laughs> yeah, you 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 missed that sixty bucks you paid for the Alfred Payton Suns jerseys. It was eighty. Missed. Thank you very much. Eighty oh bucks. My God. That's even, even worse. worse. Oh no no no! Ten percent off of that. Well, let's. It doesn't 72, matter. Whatever. Seventy-two buckaroos. <laughs> Perfect Buckle amount of time okay. to put a tape with a Kobo over Payton. <laughs> <laughs> Same number, right? Yeah, exactly. For no, until yeah. we get Goran Dragic. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, fantasy land. Okay, but I do want to say one thing about Okobo that will make Mitch happy. Yeah. I think if we have to start Josh Jackson at the two, with anyone else, I think it makes more sense to put Okobo out as our starting point guard than Shaq, because. I think Okobo is going to be a better shooter than Shaq right off the bat. Right? He already is. He can hasn't you... played an NBA game, and he's right. a better shooter than Shaq. We can, we can project that Okobo will be a better shooter, and I think that that'll, we'll need that balance a little bit. With Jackson and Shaq as a backcourt, there's little to no spacing the floor and shooting there. Right. To be fair, like we ran with like three non-shooters last year, and like yeah, we were garbage, but we don't really care enough about that. We're we're gonna have a Reza Anderson, and you know, Aiton might be able to like help at least even with just not being stuck in the paint like Tyson Chandler is. Like we were we were also trying to be the worst team in the league last year and succeeding. I don't think we're trying for that this year. You know. I, I still stand by that it didn't matter if we were trying or not, we were going to be the worst team in the league, even if we didn't well, try. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Want to hear something really scary, though, now that it's kind of fall and we're getting close to Halloween? What happens if, well, I can barely say this, if we start Shaq and Akobo at the guard spots? Whoa. We would never do that, but I just had that terrifying thought. Yeah, that's not going to happen, but... We already we don't already have like not enough wing posi- wing spots for all of our wings. We're not gonna muddy that up by starting a Kobo when we're just gonna start Shaq and be sad. I just hope that I didn't scare anyone too much. 
Yeah, this this is a scary thought, especially knowing that over the past two years, Booker's been playing about 35 minutes per game, so he takes up quite a big chunk of those 48 potential shooting guard minutes. So let's say, let's go back to a happy place and say Devin Booker's ready for the start of the season. Yay! Who is going to get the minutes at the two when he is sitting or running the point technically? I kind of think that Troy Daniels has the backup two spot kind of locked up um, because I think we still want to run Jackson at the three more than anything. I I really don't know how this is going to work anymore without something changing. But, I mean, Troy Daniels is still a good shooter. And now that we have Aiton, like, things are going to be a little bit better for him and we're not going to be quite as mad because he's going to be able to do what he does and not have to like try to rebound or do literally anything besides shoot threes. Yeah. I I mean, I feel like it's Troy Daniels, even though I would rather see Josh get kind of those minutes, have him slide over to the two. I feel like it's just going to end up being Troy Daniels. He has the spacing he, we know what he is, and he's going to help us when we kind of need that spacing. So it, he played well when we, he was kind of forced into playing way more than he was supposed to last year. And he's going to get playtime with Booker, but he'll get playtime when Booker sits as the main backup shooting guard. See, one thing that would make me hop on the Troy Daniels train is if he could become more of a combo guard. It seems like he does not want to dribble the ball up the court even one one tiny little bit or initiate any sort of offense. I wish there was some of that. And then I'd say, yeah, throw him all those backup minutes. That's fine. But that's something we don't see, and that's why I like Jackson. I, I like his playmaking ability, and Jackson has a good handle, and he's safe with the ball most of the time. So I give Jackson points on that aspect. Oh, yeah. I mean, Josh is a way better creator. Without a doubt, like, that's just not Troy's game. He is a shooter, and that's what he is. So, yep. yeah, give me, if if I need a backup playmaker, give me Josh. Ever, like, 100% of the time over Troy Daniels. But we're probably going to either be having Josh play those backup three minutes and play alongside Troy Daniels, or, you know, have an Akoba or someone that can create as well. So, uh, Troy, he's never going to be asked to do those things he's just it's gonna be all right go in there and shoot yeah i also think i mean the the upside of having all these wings is the ability to just try funky lineups especially if booker's out like why not just try some random stuff you know and what if we see a lineup of like point guard jackson daniels ariza and ayton I mean, that's probably that's probably going to get run during the regular season, no matter what. Right. I feel like. Right, and that I mean that could be interesting. It gives Troy Daniels the ability to do what he does, I guess. And Bridges right. too. I mean, where does Bridges fit in this? Right. Exactly. Uh, let's talk about Bridges in a second, but first, I want to talk about a guy who earned his contract this year at summer league playing the two guard who looked really good and does a lot of things a lot different than Troy Daniels. 
in Davon Reed. I, I really like what Reed offers, but I just don't know if it can be consistent enough for him to deserve minutes quite yet. Yeah, Davon played great in Summer League, but I don't know. He, he played great in Summer League last year, too, and then, you know, he got hurt and just never looked like that person when he was on the court in regular NBA. So I, I would like to see him, you know, make that jump because he does have way more two-way potential, but I just I just don't see it. As long as Troy Daniels is on the roster, he's just going to be a way better um a way better option than Davon, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean I don't see Davon playing a whole lot. He is an end of the bench kind of guy. We know that. I think the reason that we like him is because we are so invested and we watch so much and we love Summer League. Um but what I can see Davon Reed being is when Troy Daniels is 0 for 8 and just, like, taking terrible shots, Kakashkov can put in the anti-Troy Daniels in Davon Reed and just be like, here, watch how you play defense or attempt to play defense or something. I don't know. Maybe he plays five minutes here and there. I just don't see him playing a whole lot. I just feel like if Troy Daniels is 0 for 8 or 0 for 10 or 0 for 11 or whatever, 0 for whatever <laughs> that he's going to be during the regular season, um, I just feel like throwing Josh in there as the backup two is just a way right. better option even than Davon. So. For sure. But, I mean, I guess I'm saying if we already have Josh out there. or The Mikhail Bridges. Yeah, Bridges too. I don't know. Nonetheless, you know, Davon's not going to play very See, I'd like to think of Davon coming into the game in like defensive situations every once in a while, potentially. But with all the wings we already have, especially guys like Ariza and Jackson who play pretty solid defense, I just don't know if that'll happen too often. But I, I still have high hopes for him. I think, I think he can turn into a rotation player in his career. I think Maybe so, too. Maybe just not quite yet. I think he has a, he has a yeah. shot to do that. I mean, for sure. I just don't think that's what he is. Like, it's going to take time. Okay, so let's move it on a little more to Mikkel Bridges. And this is a guy whose position has been projected kind of all across the board. We've seen him. We've seen people want him to play like a stretch four. Then the three, I'd say, is his natural position. And then... What about the two? He's six foot seven. He's a pretty slender frame. I, I think a shooting guard is more believable at this point than him playing power forward. So do we see him log minutes at the two this year? I really think it's just going to be an experiment with these guys. Kind of like last year, how we were trying to figure out, like, how do we work TJ Warren and Josh Jackson together separately where's the best place to put them it's just more convoluted this year so i don't really know i think we're just gonna have to throw him into a bunch of different situations and see where he does the best yeah i i think that he's probably best at the three just because of his length but uh, that's only because i envision him playing next to josh and i feel josh should be at the two so that's that's kind of how i feel right now I think that he definitely shouldn't play the four. Maybe later on down his career, but not right now. He should really just try and get like in deep with Trevor Ariza because 
you know, I feel like he can be that type of player very soon, and then obviously yeah. can be more, but I feel like he could be a Trevor Ariza type of player very soon in the NBA. So yeah. I, yeah. I, I think that he should – he'll I, I maybe it's just because I envision Jackson playing the two so much, but I feel like Bridges next to Jackson at the three spot is just where he's going to see the most of his minutes. I also just think the way our team is looking right now, it's – the way I'm looking at it, at least, is more of the positionless basketball route. I don't think it really makes a whole lot of sense to say Josh Jackson is better at the two and Bridges is better. Like, I don't really think that matters. I think we're just going to have to look at opposing teams' lineups and see who do we have who can guard whoever they have on the court, basically. Because now we have some guys who are like kind of decent defenders. Like Bridges, we know, is a pretty good defender from, from what we've seen. We know Jackson is a good defender. That's what Ariza's known for. That's a lot better on defense than we've had in a while. So I'm just kind of looking at it as like we're going to look at matchups and we're going to put the best five guys on the court that we can, regardless of position. I, I, think, that's extent. Fa- I think that's fair, and I think that's what's going to happen. But like, you still have to think, all right, threes are normally just going to be longer in general. That's just how it is. And therefore you're going to want a guy that's a little bit longer. And that's why you would put bridges there and you're way more comfortable having Josh on some sort of combo guard or, you know, like a creator that is maybe a bit bigger than a, a traditional point guard, or maybe even is just like a point guard, but on a guy more like that, than you know, a guy like, I'm okay with Josh being put on a Giannis or a Kevin Durant or whatever, but if, like, forced to, I would rather put Bridges just because of his length. Or Ariza, even. Well, obviously Ariza, but if Ariza isn't in the game. I see what you're saying. So, do we think Mikel Bridges, we we think he can turn into a Trevor Ariza-type player soon. Does he make TJ expendable? Unfortunately, yeah, he, I, I think already he has. I mean, with the amount of wings we have, makes one of our wings expendable. But just in particular, do you think Mikel Bridges puts out TJ Warren? I think so because Mikael Bridges can shoot threes and play defense, and he can pass yeah. the ball, and he can and pass like yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. I I hate it because. I I like TJ a lot. We all do. Uh, we have him on a steal of a contract. He has put in a lot of work and has become a guy that can score and score really well. But he scores similarly to a big man, and he plays a position where you want spacing and defense, and he just doesn't do those things, or even playmaking that he doesn't do. So it's really tough. I think that you sell high on TJ and try and bring in a point guard. Dinwiddie Dragic, please. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. I did see something interesting, though. That's like, why... Maybe we should just roll with who we have right now. Why just settle for a mediocre point guard when we have some of these, like, top-tier point guards that are going to be free agents next year? I mean, that's so unpredictable. But and it's and like, how often is it, like... What's the likelihood that one of them is going to be like, oh, the Suns, let's go there. I mean, Booker is starting to 
form some of these relationships. I don't. It's it's very very unknown. You so can't it's hard trust to it. say. You can't right. trust it. But I mean, I get it. Like it is kind of scary to sign a pretty mediocre point guard who maybe has a year left on his contract and. I don't know. I don't really know. I feel like something is going to happen, but it's see like we're in a tough spot. The guys right now. with the the guys with the expiring contracts who are becoming unrestricted unrestricted free agents. If we don't have to give up a ton for them, like a guy like Beverly, yeah, I I don't mind paying him this year and then potentially just losing him next year and starting from scratch and trying to find the guy. Yeah, that's true. Since this year is kind of a transition year, anyway. And, I mean, like, that's the reason why you take a flyer on, like, a guy like Dinwiddie or Norman or uh, DeLon Wright, not Norman Powell, whatever. DeLon Wright or, like, one of these young guys that has potential and, you know, can do some of those things. You take a flyer on them because, like, that's what you have to do. And they're cheap. They're not gonna. You're not gonna give up a ton for them. It's not like you're trading for like an all-star point guard, but they have the potential to do that, and and have the potential to like grow with you know our guys right now. All right, now we're gonna move it on to our non-sports section, which this week is sports related, but it's the first week of the NFL season, so we've got to talk about it. We do this every year. We're all fans of different NFL teams. Um, so I don't know. I, I guess I'll start with this one. The Broncos won. They beat the Seahawks. Felt really good. It always feels good to beat the Seahawks. Denver's D is really good. Vaughn Miller moved into the top 50 of sacks all time. That's really cool because he had... Wow. Yeah, he had three sacks today. He needed two and a half to move into the top 50 of all time. and So he got that... Um, Oh, it just felt really good. It was a crazy game, a lot of ups and downs. I remember saying, this season's over at one point, and we're going to win the Super Bowl at one point during this game. <laughs> um, I don't follow football quite as closely as I used to, but it still it brings back a lot of good memories to watch the Broncos. It's something that I did with my family growing up, and when I go home um, back to Wyoming, I still watch a lot of Broncos games with my families. And uh, this year, actually, um, is we're approaching year 13 of the last time I missed a Broncos game watching on TV or in person. It was Thanksgiving 2006, the last time I missed one. So it's been 12 years and 2019 will be 13. So, yeah. <laughs> That's quite the streak. I'll hop in. I'm a Dolphins fan, so I spent... Over seven hours today watching the Dolphins or waiting for the Dolphins game to start back up. So that that was pretty intense. It did remind me of one thing, though, watching football. Every play means so much in a football game. And you play once a week. So coming from guys who do a podcast for the Suns who watch 82 basketball games per year, like... Just the meaningfulness of every single play kind of like weighed on me today. Like, wow, this is this is intense. This is what this is why people get so into football because every snap means so much. And when they're delayed, like this one today, how it, it would just take all the momentum out of the game and it'd be a brand new football game when they came back. 
So it was a very interesting one to watch, but got to see Ryan Tannehill come back, play his first real football in over 600 days, almost two wow. years since wow. we've seen him play. He had a pretty solid game through a couple touchdowns, a couple interceptions too, but Dolphins got the victory. It felt really good. Really glad to see him back. Bunch of new faces on the team who played well today. So once again, beginning of the season, Dolphins fan, I'm feeling pretty optimistic. But, I mean, we all know how it goes. We'll see how I'm feeling next week. All right. So uh, I'm a Chargers fan. Uh, I've fallen way out of football. I'll. It's It's just so slow and everything. And basketball is the one true love. But, you know, I still am a Chargers fan, still watch them miss some games here or there but whatever uh they are they always start slow so they, they lost to the chiefs which divisional game you're gonna that, that's gonna happen it seems like it, no matter what we're always gonna lose an opening division division game and then the sky will be falling joey bosa was out who is like the reason why like our defense is able to work just about just because he's so good he was in a walking boot and was ruled out like or he was in a walking boot after practice this past week and then was ruled out so uh, he's probably not going to play next week either chargers are going to lose games they'll lose a few in a row it happens like every year and then they realize they remember how to play football keenan allen and melvin gordon looked great rivers looked like rivers so you know it is what it is it's the life of a chargers fan David, me and you kind of have a bond because our teams seem very similar. Like, we call the Chargers the West Coast Dolphins yep. as Dolphins fans. So, like, I, I know I know how it feels. We're, we'll get through it together. You guys can do it. Um, I do have a question, though. I just thought of this. What is your guys – who is your guys' favorite player on your respective teams? Right now? Yeah, right now. Um, How about right now and of all time? Okay, right now, they're tied. Cam Wake and Ryan Tannehill. Cam Wake's a legend. Nice. Rashard Jones had an incredible game today. He's my he's like number two. So, but all time Dan Marino, no doubt. So, um, right now he's technically he got he's back on the team. So Gates uh, didn't think he was. <laughs> Didn't think he was going to be back, but uh, Gates for sure. Also, I love Keenan and Joey Bosa. They're they're both great, and Joey Bosa is hilarious. So, I'll I'll throw I'll say Gates and Bosa. They're my favorites right now, all time. Uh, Gates still counts for that, and uh, LT. Oh nice. yeah, and yeah. and I actually want to throw out because I still am a little oh sad. I I love Drew Brees. And I will always love Drew Brees. And I'm always sad that he left the Chargers. So, Yeah, he seems like a good guy. This is like the hardest question for me. Right now, it's easy. My favorite player by far is Von Miller. Great player, great personality. Wait, wait it's not Paxton Lynch? <laughs> not quite, not quite. Uh, but all time, like this is so hard. This is so difficult. Like, it's really, really easy to just say Elway. And I, I really do like Elway. But, like, when when he was in his heyday, I was, like, four years old. So, it's 
I didn't really get to watch him. Like I've watched, I've rewatched those Super Bowls uh, from '97 to '90. I guess it was '98 and '99, but the '97 and '98 seasons. But like I was, yeah, I was three and four when those Super Bowls happened. Yeah, I think that's right. So it's like, yeah, I don't remember them. Um, but Elway was great. Uh, Champ Bailey is one that oh. I always really loved. I loved Champ. Disgusting. Um, Terrell Davis, another one who I didn't really get to see, but loved him. Um, Peyton was great, but I was never like super. I wasn't like a huge Peyton Manning fan before he came to the Broncos. Rod Smith, another yeah. favorite. I liked uh, Jake Plummer, kind of a dark horse. There I loved Jake Plummer. I loved him so much. First jersey I ever had for any sport. And 16 has been a number I've always liked because of that. Um, but I guess, yeah, maybe I'll go with Vaughn Miller and Champ Bailey and John Elway. I got I to gotta throw one more out there for me because I'm dumb for not saying it originally, but uh, Junior Seau. Oh, yeah. Obviously. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know why I didn't say him to begin with, but... Uh, Got to see him play as a kid. He used to go to a bunch of Chargers games when I was a wee lad, and uh, got to see him play. He will always be my favorite. And uh, I'll throw in one more too, uh, <laughs> Ricky Williams. <laughs> for one reason, he has a quote where he said, "When he got busted for pot in the NFL, he said, I got high and forgot that I wasn't supposed to get high.'" <laughs> Oh, Ricky Williams. That's good stuff, Ricky. Okay. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll be back next week with another episode, no doubt. Getting pretty close to that preseason, so we're all excited. Check us out on Twitter, at Sunny and PHXPod, and we'll see you again next week. Go Suns. Right.